0: Matthew 28, beginning at verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. there they will see me. And then we're skipping over just several verses in Matthew 28 about the guards. And then we're going to pick it up again at 16 to the end of the chapter, the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted, And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is God's word for us this morning. May he bless it to our hearts and our lives. Brothers and sisters, as Christians, we know Jesus is foundational to our faith. It's all about him. And his work of dying and rising again from the dead, that's at the very heart of who he is because that's what he came to earth to accomplish, you know, I feel like we often say, and this is right, the cross is the center of our faith. But, but then, so where does that leave Easter? It can't be any less important because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is our faith. If the cross is at the center of our faith, I think what we can say this morning is that the resurrection is the center of our hope. Easter's the center of our hope. We read in verse 2 that there was a, a violent earthquake at the resurrection. So imagine the empty grave as the epicenter of our hope, the epicenter. Seismic waves of hope roll from the risen Lord Jesus in that empty tomb. Hope in life is a powerful thing. Someone without hope will despair, fall apart, maybe even want to throw in the towel. But when you've got hope, everything changes. One spring a while back, a man approached an afternoon Little League Baseball game. And he asked the boy in the dugout what the score was. The boy responded, 18 to nothing. We're behind. Wow, said the spectator. I'll bet you're discouraged. Why should I be discouraged, replied the little boy. We haven't gotten up to bat yet. (laughs) That's hope. That's hope. Because Christ arose this morning... First of all, we see that there is hope for us. There's hope for you and me. I'm thinking of the hope that, that Paul talks about. I mentioned 1 Corinthians 15. He's talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And then he goes on to tell us about that there's hope of life after our death. There's hope of eternal life. Hope that all of these beautiful lilies represent this morning. And I encourage you, if you haven't, if you're responsible for asking for a lily, you've looked at this list. But if you haven't, sometime today, just look at the back of that bulletin and, and look at, at these, these loved ones uh, in, in glory in Jesus. It's hope that when we stand around the grave in a cemetery, it's hope that death does not have the final say. In Jesus, there is hope for you that whenever your time on earth ends, whether Jesus takes you home at a ripe old age, or suddenly in an accident, or after a struggle with cancer, there's hope for you. This idea of life after death, resurrection, which a lot of non-Christians, non-believers around us in our culture believe in it. Believe in heaven. That was not a common belief in the ancient world, according to John Ortberg in this book, Who is this Man that we're thinking about these days? A typical view was that people died and, and their spirits sort of roamed around in a creepy way. And so in Rome, there was a law that nobody could be buried or cremated. They did that a lot too. Nobody could be buried or cremated inside the city. That's how scared people were of death. They were so scared that the dead got their own place. Necropolis, the city of the dead. Terror and fear kept them far from the living. Well, after Jesus came, his followers in the early church looked at death very differently. There were graveyards on church grounds, and sometimes Christians buried their dead under the floor in the church. I saw that a lot in the old cathedrals when I lived in Europe when I was younger. It's a little strange at first if you're not used to it, but it makes sense if you think about it because things have changed. People didn't fear death anymore because Jesus conquered death at Easter. There's another view of death really common in the ancient world. It was that when you died, you ceased to exist. That was it. Sort of shrug your shoulders about your death, I guess, because that's just it might have heard of Mel Blank. He was a voice actor, a comedian, a radio personality. He, he worked with Warner Brothers, and he did the voices of Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky the Pig, Tweety Bird, all of these other tons of characters from Looney Tunes. He died in 1989, and what's inscribed on his tombstone is his famous phrase, that's all, folks, that's on his tombstone. I don't know if that's really what he believed about his death. Seems maybe yes, if you put it on the tombstone. I hope that's not the case because that is certainly not a hopeful view of death that you cease to exist when you die. And that's all, folks. Jesus came and he brought, he introduced a brand new approach to death. Hope for people. They never had it before. Hope, it's not the end. You don't have to be afraid. There is hope of eternal life for all who put their trust in Jesus this morning. For you too today, whoever you are, because of Easter. Secondly, this morning, Easter brings a hope for our world. It's not just for us to keep here Matthew 28 uh, shows us this in a dramatic way that I have to confess, I don't ever remember noticing what I'm about to share with you before. At the end of Matthew 28, 28, the end of the chapter, Jesus gives his disciples what we call as Christians the Great Commission. Organizations have mission statements purpose statements. Jesus gives the original mission statement, and he gives it to his followers when he says what we read, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. This is our calling. That is the church's mission. That is the central task of followers of Jesus. Here at Faith Church, we see the Great Commission in action in our midst with our three E's. Experience God's word, express God's love, equip God's people. Now, what's striking about all this is that Matthew writes about the Great Commission immediately after writing about Jesus rising from the dead, even though it didn't happen until Jesus' ascension, which was 40 days later. So Matthew, in his gospel, is tying the Great Commission directly to the resurrection. In other words, the hope that comes from the empty grave rolls out to you and me and beyond to the world. Go and tell. One of the first things Jesus tells the women after rising from the dead. So as awesome as it is to have this hope and assurance for our own lives and our own loved ones, Christian hope is bigger than that. As awesome as it is to celebrate the hope of Jesus in worship services, like Good Friday and Easter and every Sunday... Christian hope is a hope to take from here to our world as we go. How are we doing with that, by the way? How are you doing with that? I encourage you to pray that God uses even you to take our hope to the world. Make that a daily part of your praying, and it will happen. God will use you to bring the hope that you have in Jesus to our world. Jesus says something almost funny in verse 9. After the events of Palm Sunday, the Last Supper, Good Friday, the crucifixion, being in the grave three days rising from the dead. There's this angel sitting on the rolled away tomb who looks like lightning. There's a violent earthquake. The angel almost scares the guards to death and then the angel talks to the women. And then Jesus appears and Jesus speaks to them. What's he gonna say after all of this? What amazing word, what profound statement. Maybe his greatest sermon of all. That's not quite what he says. He says, greetings. In the original language, it's basically the equivalent of, hi, how are you doing this morning? What's up? Now, why just that? Well, I think in part, it's that the power of the empty grave speaks for itself Jesus' resurrection, that tomb being empty, is really the greatest sermon in history. But I also think it's as if Jesus is saying, well, what did you expect? What did I tell you all along? I'm Jesus. I'm fully God. What were you worried about? What were you so sad about? This is always how it was going to go. This was the divine plan, and divine plans get accomplished. The Spirit and and the Father and I talked all through before the foundations of this world were established, how we take care of sin, bring people back into a relationship with the Heavenly Father through my work of atonement, bringing you hope through the power of the Spirit, a hope for all who will receive it. Now go, share the hope, share me, who I am. And what I've done is going to transform your lives, and it's going to transform our world. And that brings us to a final thought this morning. The resurrection brings a hope for you and for me. It's a hope for the world. And this is a hope that revolutionizes the present. His hope revolutionizes today, the here and now. And that's important to realize because most people think of hope as something for down the road, something for when I die. And, and maybe especially if you're, if you're younger this morning, and I'm not even going to try to pretend to what, is, what qualifies as younger. But if you're younger, maybe you're thankful about this, but you're like, well, odds are I'm not going to die for a while may die tomorrow, but most younger people live for a while, and that's a wonderful hope that I have. I'm so thankful for it, but the thing is, the hope for Easter is hope for you right now in your life today, the ultimate hope of life eternal. It's so powerful. It's so profound that it's power, which we will fully experience in the future It impinges on the present day. It's like it sends shockwaves back to us today. Shockwaves forward in time from the empty tomb 2,000 years ago and backwards from Jesus' return one day when our hope is finally realized and experienced so that our lives are revolutionized. They're changed now because of Jesus and because of the power of the grave. There's a, uh, a great modern-day preacher who died about 20 years ago. His name is Ian Pitt Watson. And he liked to talk about two great revolutions in the history of mankind, two that have changed human life on this planet more than any other two revolutions. What do you think those two revolutions might be? This is what he said. The first revolution was when someone began to farm. Human beings seem to have been in the mode of hunting and gathering first, living from day to day, place to place, looking for food to survive, no home. But then one day, and we don't know how this happened, but someone dropped a seed in the ground. Walked away and discovered that something would happen when you did that. And that was kind of, that would have been a foolish thing to do because you can eat seeds. Seeds provide nourishment. That wouldn't have been a normal thing to do, to put it in the ground. But somehow, you do that with the seed, and something in the dirt calls to this seed Wake up, seed, send a little root down. And then something above the seed says, Send up a little shoot. And the seed does that. The seed becomes a plant or a tree and, and fruit comes and it does what it was destined to do. But it, it couldn't happen unless that seed died and was buried first. And that was revolutionary because now uh, men and women wouldn't have to live just day by day. Now, with that, there could be villages and towns and crafts and arts and architecture and tools and civilization, there could be home because of seeds and crops. As Paul says in First Corinthians 15, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains a solitary grain of wheat. But if it dies, it will be a rich harvest. The second great revolution, according to this guy now, it's even greater than than that one, certainly, it's what we celebrate today. Jesus died, his body was planted in the earth, and then he arose, and that revolutionizes life today. It's something unexpected. Through death comes life. If there's no sacrifice, there's no Harvest. When you lay down your life, the opposite of what you'd think happens, you'll gain your life. Jesus was the first fruits of this great revolution, but now, today, the seed is you. Everything that Jesus lived for and brought and taught and won on the cross, servanthood, loving God above all, loving our neighbor as ourself, love for enemies even, greatness through humble service. It seemed that it was all taken away. But in fact, the cross couldn't hold him. Jesus' plan, Jesus' message, Jesus' salvation, his hope goes forward, and his way gives us the key for living. It's the way for our lives. This hope that revolutionizes our way of living is what we are growing in and that we're discovering more and more together as followers of Jesus here at faith. I think of a whole group of people who were at pads serving last night, those who are homeless, serving early this morning up until just a few hours ago. On Easter morning serving, how appropriate, how appropriate that is. The key to our life in Jesus is just that kind of living, friends. Harvest through humble service to those around us, those in need especially. Putting ourselves not first, but last, like our Savior. That's Jesus Hope revolutionizing the present. So think of that this morning. Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits. And now your life and mine, a seed for the Lord, planted, watered by the word, nourished by the spirit encouraged and built up by growing in the garden that is the church of Jesus Christ, bearing much fruit for God's glory so that we in the church and the whole world may know the risen Lord Jesus, the epicenter of all hope. What a life we've been given. What a hope for today and tomorrow. Hallelujah. What a savior. Amen.